0: forward can be extremely difficult. We talk about that all of the time on this show. In fact, we understand as we've come together and discussed principles for moving forward, that when you find yourself in those difficult circumstances of life, you really don't have any other choice. You can stay where you are and die. That's a decision that you can make. Or you can put one foot in front of the other. Moving forward is the only option in life. And yet sometimes the obstacles and the trials and the traumas become so overwhelming that unlike the rest of our lives where we can just push through, we move from moments of darkness into moments of despair. What do you do when those difficult times, those moments of darkness become moments of desperation? Today on the March or Die show, I want to spend a few minutes talking about something none of us want to talk about, but all of us know is an issue. The topic today in front of us is the topic of suicide. What do we do when we have thoughts and even actions that would lead to ending our own lives? In my world, in the world of helping veterans and working with veterans and their families, suicide is ever-present. In fact, we're told that 22 veterans a day, and I believe the number is much larger than that, but 22 veterans a day end their lives. On the active duty side of our military, it's more than four a day. But we know that this suicide pandemic does not only connect to those in the military. Throughout our culture, throughout our society, this is a major issue. Why? Because sometimes the circumstances of life, the situations that we find ourselves in, they move from simply being moments of darkness to being moments, seasons, times for many lifetimes of despair. How? Do we deal with feelings, thoughts, and actions that would take us to a place of suicide? We're going to talk about that and so much more. A little bit of a heavier conversation today, but one that I believe will be very helpful. And we'll begin that in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. Hello and welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. And in spite of our topic today, it's a heavy topic. It's one that probably touches you somehow, maybe a family member. Maybe you're struggling with thoughts of suicide. This is something that you're living through. Uh, You've had moments of darkness. They've turned into moments of despair. You feel like you don't have another option. Maybe you're living through this. Perhaps you are helping someone who's working through this. Uh, In spite of the heaviness of this topic, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to talk about it today. And I'm going to ask you to listen i 'm going to ask you then to share this out with other people. There are people in your world in your life that you know that need uh, this topic. A couple of things before we get there though, and uh, just mentioned it, but if you 're not yet subscribed to the podcast, do that right now. Go ahead and subscribe so that you are made aware immediately when new content comes online we 've had some great guests and've uh, been very uh, happy with the guests that we 've had over the last couple of weeks and next week after this episode next week, so a week from today, um, if everything goes well, I'm going to be able to share an interview that I had uh, with an incredible guest. If you watch my social media, I put uh, a mention of this on social media, but this last week I had the opportunity to interview Nick and uh, Nick, if you're not familiar with him his ministry is called life without limbs born without arms and legs an incredible incredible uh, very encouraging man uh, man of god who understands moving forward in ways that uh, most of us will never be able to relate to uh, making a difference in the world i will share that interview with you next week and i'm looking forward to it But uh, please, go ahead and subscribe, share this content out with others. My goal is to be a help and encouragement to you and to the other folks in your life. So looking forward to uh, continuing to connect with you on that. Today we are jumping into a topic. I've mentioned it a few times. Uh, When we discuss this concept of march or die, I, I always, and if you listen to me, I always say the same thing. You can choose to stay where you are and die. And then I'll always kind of throw this asterisk next to it. Uh, Not in the physical sense, but in the relational, the spiritual, and the emotional sense, there is death. Uh, And I always qualify it that way very intentionally because I want folks to understand that death is not always of the physical kind. Uh, Death can be so much more. You can be alive physically, but dead in the terms or the sense that you're not moving forward any longer. I always make that distinction. But there are many people, and I think, again, all of us connect can connect to this somehow, uh, maybe in distant relationships, maybe in close relationships. Again, maybe this is something that you're dealing with. We can all connect to this idea of getting to the point where that decision of march or die is not an emotional or a spiritual or relational decision. It's a decision to either push forward through the difficulty that we're experiencing right now, get the help that we need, etc. or end our lives physically to end our lives. This is a very real struggle. It's one uh, that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, more than 22 veterans a day, more than four active duty service members a day, and thousands of folks across our country, in our society, throughout our culture, every single day decide to take their lives. We have to talk about this because there is an answer. Uh, this is not always an easy answer. This is certainly not an easy process to begin or continue to move forward in spite of these overwhelming thoughts of darkness and despair. But there is hope. And I want to share some of that with you today. And I'm going to qualify this whole podcast with an asterisk. There is some great content that has been produced by some incredible folks, great books written, Um uh, counseling resources so many resources available to you and i encourage you to check those out but i want to give you some perspective on this today that i hope will be an encouragement and a help and uh, i'll start with a story it's a story again that if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time you've probably heard (laughs) because i don't have a lot of stories so i tell the same ones over and over again um but it's a story that uh i think gives us a good starting point um 20 years ago almost 20 years ago at least uh 2003, so 19 years ago. March 19th, Uh, again, if you've heard this story, you know where I'm going with this. If you haven't, maybe you remember the date. That was the date that the war in Iraq uh, started. Uh, That was the date that the uh, United States pushed across the border from Kuwait into Iraq and began a road march from southern Iraq to Baghdad. And that became really 20 years, uh, nearly 20 years of war. Um, And we're all familiar with that, of course. I remember the, the days leading up to that, um, that time when we pushed into Iraq. Really, it was, it was more than that. We knew that something was coming. After 9-11, we knew that something was coming, so we began to train uh, in ways that we hadn't. Up, up to that point in my Marine Corps career, at least, uh, it became very realistic, and we started to run through scenarios that were at least a possibility. We trained for over a year to get ready for what might happen And then we found ourselves in Kuwait. And once we were in Kuwait, we knew it was just a matter of time before we pushed across the border into Iraq. It was going to get real, real fast. It was coming. And so we trained. And we trained so much that even now, almost 20 years later, I can remember a lot of the call signs that we used on the radio and all the markers that we used to mark vehicles and different routes, uh, the markers that were on the maps. A lot of those things I can still remember because for the couple of months While we were in Kuwait, leading up to the time we pushed into Iraq, we rehearsed again and again and again and again. I was in a battalion, about 1,200 Marines. We were part of the division, about 30,000 Marines. And there were a lot of folks who were also a part of that. So enormous group of people, all training to accomplish the same mission. And it would begin when we breached the berm between Iraq and Kuwait, moved through that breach, and secured the first objective. That was the goal. That was the mission. All of this training was done with the idea that we would do this. We'd push across the berm in the middle of the day. Actually, in the morning, the movement would start, but it would be daylight. All of our rehearsals were daylight. All of the markings that we used were physical markings on vehicles or signs put uh, along different routes. Everything was visual because we were going to kick it off while the sun was in the sky. (laughs) That makes everything easier because you can see. Uh, The reason for that was that it would make things simpler. We were going to come with overwhelming force, with air support, with artillery support, so we would not necessarily need the cover of darkness to get in. Um, The Iraqi army that was on the southern border at the time, they knew we were coming, and we were going to do that as simply as possible, which meant pushing across during the day, uh, which made me very happy. The day before we were supposed to step off. So if you had asked me on March 18th uh, what kind of attack we were going to do, it was going to be a daylight attack. Um, Late on March 18th, we got the word that we were moving now. And now meant tonight. And tonight meant it was going to be dark. It is crazy how overwhelmingly difficult something that you have practiced for for a long time (laughs) How overwhelmingly difficult it can become when the lights go out. It got really, really dark. And now what seemed relatively simple, and remember, we were moving into a place where there was a real enemy that was really going to be shooting at us and trying to hurt us. And we were going to have to do some things we had never done before. In addition to all of that, the complication went up a thousandfold because we couldn't see what we were doing. Our markers were visual, which meant we didn't have access to them anymore. There was smoke in the air because the Iraqi soldiers were lighting uh, these oil pipelines on fire. There was so much going on. It was really organized, I guess, chaos. We did it because we had to. We didn't have a choice. We kept moving. But it was crazy. (laughs) I've learned since that time in my life. That things become so overwhelming, and more so when it gets dark. The dark makes everything difficult. And I'll say this, there is nothing darker than an overwhelmed soul. Maybe you can connect to that. Maybe that phrase makes sense to you because you're living through it right now. An overwhelmed soul. Our souls can become overwhelmed because of relationships that we thought were solid that are no longer solid. They're falling apart. We can't get control of them. We can't get hold of them. Our soul is becoming overwhelmed. Uh, Darkness is creeping in. Financial reversal. It's amazing how much (laughs) a reversal in our finances can bring darkness into our lives. Our future. Our security is tied to those financial resources. And when they go, and many people are struggling with this right now, uh, a darkness comes in. It can be any number of situations in our lives, but there is nothing darker than an overwhelmed soul. And darkness makes the relatively simple nearly impossible. One of the interesting things that I've observed, however, is that not everyone allows the dark to overwhelm them. In fact, there are people who do pretty well (laughs) in the midst of a relationship or financial or some other reversal in their lives, some difficulty they didn't expect, a trauma that is uh, rearing up its ugly head from their past. Uh, They deal with it as we all do, but they don't allow it to become overwhelming. And yet for many, those experiences do indeed become overwhelming. One of the lies we tell ourselves as the dark gets darker, the situations become more difficult. We tell ourselves the lie that no one else has ever lived through this before. No one else has ever experienced this before. No one else knows what it's like to deal with you fill in the blank. A situation or circumstance comes into our life it was unexpected. In the right situation, perhaps we could deal with it, but it got dark fast. It was unexpected. We didn't see it coming. And that darkness creeps into our soul and it overwhelms us. And we begin to tell ourselves the lie that we're the only ones who've ever been through this. We're the only ones who have ever experienced this or experienced it to this extent. In our rational moments, we would know that's not true, but in the irrational of darkness and desperation, we say, since no one else has been through this, no one else has experienced this, there's nowhere that I can go for help. I can't go to my Bible because the Bible doesn't apply to me in this situation. I can't go into a community of church folks because church folks don't know what it's like to be in this situation, at least not to this extent. We feed ourselves this continuing lie that we're the only ones that have ever experienced anything just like this. From there we conclude, if we allow that line of thought to run its course, that since there's a problem and no one else knows what it's like, no one else has ever experienced it, then perhaps if I removed myself from the equation, everything would get better. The number of times I've talked to veterans, to folks who have served in the military or are serving in the military, who will say something like, I'm the problem in my family. My wife would be happier. My kids would be happier. My parents would be happier if I were gone. I need to take myself out of the situation so that... Everyone else is better. Again, this is a lie that starts with no one knows what it's like to be me. That goes then to uh, there is no help because no one knows what it's like to experience this. No one knows what it's like to be me. And it moves to this place of desperation that says if I could just get myself out of the equation, everyone else would be better. That's a lie. We know statistically that 33% of children who have a parent that takes their life will also at some point in their life, the child, commit their, commit suicide, take their own lives. 33%. That's insanity. You say that if you were gone, things would be better. When you take yourself out of the equation, it brings a world of pain, trauma, loss, and difficulty into the lives of those that you love. It's amazing that we think that if we take our lives we're ending our pain we're not ending the pain we're simply transferring it to someone else a lifetime of regret a lifetime of hurt a lifetime of brokenness that those whom we say we love will have to deal with because in the midst of a dark hour typically a very temporary dark hour we make a very permanent decision I love to go to the Bible when I'm working through, really, any issue. (laughs) But in issues like this. Remember, when the darkness comes, the lies follow, and the first lie we tell ourselves is no one knows what it's like. We could go to Mark chapter 14 in verse 34. That's in the New Testament. I'll paraphrase it. I won't read the whole thing. But Mark chapter 14 in verse 34. We see the the humanity of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus is God. But Jesus, as God, he left heaven and came to earth to do one job. That is, to die a horrific death in our place on the cross. He did that so that we could have the forgiveness of sins. That's why he came. In fact, he was asked one time, Jesus, why are you here? He said, the Son of Man, referring to himself, has come to seek and save that which was lost. He had a job to do. And in this passage of Mark chapter 14, we see the humanity of Christ. He goes shortly before the crucifixion would take place. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he prays and his friends, the disciples, those that were supposed to be there with him fell asleep. They couldn't even stay with him. He's struggling. He becomes overwhelmed by what is about to happen. He prays to the Father, God, and he cries out, If it be possible, remove this cup from me. Overwhelmed by what is about to happen, overwhelmed by the present circumstance in his humanity, he cries out and says, If it's possible. If it's possible to avoid the rejection of God the Father to God the Son. If it's possible to somehow do what needs to be done without taking on all of the sin of all of mankind. If it's possible. That was one of those questions that is inserted in Scripture for us. Jesus knew it was not possible. But the next words are why that's there. He said, but not my will, but thine be done. In that Jesus was expressing that He was here not to do His own will, but to do the will of the Father, even if it meant grief would come into His life. Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 says at that moment that Jesus, when He cried to the Father, sweat as it were great drops of blood. He was in absolute anguish. Prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 said he would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yet through it all, he persevered and accomplished the mission that brought him to earth. We say, well, no one knows what it's like to be me. No one knows what it's like to experience what I've experienced. And yet we need to look to Jesus, who as God did what he did on our behalf, he did it for us. In his humanity, experiencing grief and anguish, and yet continuing on. We learned some lessons in this that I want to share with you. What lesson can we take from the life of Jesus? Well, we understand that we're not alone, first of all. If even Jesus had to endure these things, then there is not a person on earth who will not. Listen to me, you are not broken because you are dealing with something hard, (laughs) Whether you created the hard thing or not, you are not broken because you're dealing with something hard. There's something crazy going on in your life and no one would uh, diminish that. If they tried to diminish it, they're they're in the wrong place. You're having the wrong conversation. No one wants to diminish the difficult thing that you are working through. But just know, acknowledge, accept that even Jesus, who is God, dealt with difficult things. Uh, You're not broken because you're going through hard things. You're human. Don't believe the lie that there is no one in the world who will not understand. God understands. And there are others who are dealing with difficult things as well. You're not alone. I know it feels like you're alone, but you're not alone. We learn, number two, that it is the mission that carries you forward. I'm going to talk about this here in just a second, but it's the mission that carries you forward. You say, well, I'm in this dark place, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed. We all know what it's like to be overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. So what's going to carry me forward? Why should I march when it would be easier to just say forget it? Why? It's the mission that carries you forward. I've talked about this so often on this podcast. I've written about it on my blog I've spent a lot of time trying to break this down because this is meaningful to me. You have to know what it is you're here to do. If you're a parent, the mission is raising your kids. If you're a spouse, the mission is supporting your spouse so that together you can be and do what God wants you to do and to be. If you're a Christian, your job, the mission, is to live in a way that glorifies God and points others to Him. There is a job that you're on this earth to accomplish. What carries you forward when you don't feel like it? Put those feelings aside. I know they're overwhelming and they hurt. We have them, but don't let them drive you. The mission is what carries you forward. Jesus said, not my will, God, the Father, but thine be done. What drove Jesus forward? The mission. What drives you forward? It has to be the mission. Why are you here? What do you have to accomplish? That doesn't go away until God decides to take you away. And only God can make that decision. We learn number three. Uh, Again, if you've listened to me, you've heard me say this over and over again. Here's number three. None of this was about him, speaking of Jesus. Since the mission was clear, he was going to do what he came to do. Regardless of your theology here, I think we could all agree on this simple point. Jesus did not need to die on the cross for his own sin, (laughs) Jesus is God. He's perfect. He's sinless. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Why did this happen? Because we, messed up humanity who murdered Jesus, needed him to do it, to pay the price for sin, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a relationship with God. This wasn't about him. Now, in the sense that Jesus is God and he's the only one that could forgive sins, it was about him. But why did he go to the cross? Why did he endure the anguish? Why did he leave heaven in the first place and come to earth? Because we needed him to. We have got to get past the point in our lives where we are living for ourselves. We need to live our lives and make decisions for others. It's not about us. It's about others. If you won't continue living for yourself, do it for the people around you that need you to continue pressing forward. Do it for a God that puts you on this earth and has a plan. You may say, I don't know what that plan is, or uh, I've had some crazy stuff happen in my life. I get that. But get back to Him. Get in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Get around other people. Figure out what the thing is that you need to do next and do that. Allow it to carry you forward because it's the mission that carries you forward and it's not about you we don't make these decisions for us we make the decisions for others there are those who take their lives and say well I did this for others and in a moment of darkness and irrationality perhaps that seems to make sense but listen to me now taking your life does not benefit others the next thing number four Timing does not always make sense. (laughs) Timing does not always make sense. Jesus clearly understood the timeline that he was operating on, but no one else did. In fact, his disciples who were around him, they fell asleep. (laughs) They didn't realize there was anything to worry about. They weren't concerned about what was going on. I've made the point before that the biggest fights in our lives, the biggest battles in our lives come when we least expect them. We can ask the why question and we can say, why now? But the timing doesn't always make sense. Accept that and realize, finally, number five, that you must look outside of yourself for hope. Just as Jesus was praying, He was declaring His source of hope in God the Father. Remember, the Bible was written for our benefit, and Jesus had this conversation, and it was recorded in Scripture for our benefit. But the lesson that he was teaching us, the reader, is that our hope is found in the same place. It's found in God the Father. You need to look outside of yourself for hope. I've said this so many times, but to be hopeless is to draw a circle around yourself and to look only within that circle and conclude that this is all there is. Finding hope means you lift your eyes outside of that circle and you look off into the distance and you see a God who's bigger than your situation, who's bigger than your circumstance, who does have a plan, and who, in spite of a crazy world, is still in control. And there you find hope. There is direction. It's amazing that in all of it, the Bible gives us the illustration Some people, for sure, but the biggest illustration we have of dealing with anger anguish and despair and discouragement is found in Jesus Christ. Some great verses found in Scripture. Psalm chapter thirty four and verse eighteen The Lord is near unto those that are of a broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near unto those of a broken heart and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, No temptation has taken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God loves you and has made every provision for you in Christ. There is hope. And we find that in the life of Christ. So what do we need to do? A couple final thoughts. If you're struggling right now, with all of that in mind, and I hope that provides the right perspective, but with all of that in mind, what do you do if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts and feelings? I would say, first of all, pre-decide. The power of predecision is not something that can be overstated. If we allow our emotions to dictate our actions, there is a likelihood that we will make the wrong decision in a moment of feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to read a couple weird statistics to you. These are weird to me. According to findings reported in the Injury Prevention Journal, One-third to four-fifths of all suicide attempts are impulsive. One-third to four-fifths impulsive. Among people who made near-lethal suicide attempts, 24% took less than five minutes between the decision to kill themselves and the actual attempt, and 70% took less than an hour. Additionally, 90% of those who survive a suicide attempt do not go on to die by suicide. 90%. It's impulsive. It's in the moment. Pre-decide. Decide Decide that this is not even an option that you will entertain. It's not going to happen. It begins by pre-deciding. Here's the second thing I'm going to steal from my time in the Marine Corps. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. Learned that in the Marine Corps. It's one of the leadership traits. Most of us know, even if we do not like to admit it, where we are weak and where we need to grow as a person. We can identify our shortcomings. Here's an example. If finances are the thing that pushes you into a place of darkness, know yourself and seek self improvement. Improve in your understanding of finances and how you manage them. Perhaps you need to get a job that allows you to make more money. Maybe you lost your job and you're struggling through that. Understand where you need to grow, the skills you need to obtain. And go after it. Perhaps it's in so many other areas. Whatever that is. Identify your own weaknesses and your shortcomings. And work through those. So predecide, Know ahead of time where you fall short. And work to improve. Get good counsel number three. This is so important. Proverbs 11.14 tells, tells us that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. Find a qualified counselor who can see your situation from the outside, put the right perspective on it, and help you to chart a course forward. Don't try to do it alone. Next, speak to a doctor. It is possible and quite practical that the, way, the reason you're feeling the way you are is because of something physical. Make sure you talk to a doctor. Tell them how you're feeling, what you're thinking. They can examine you. Maybe there's a reason that is easily remedied. Number five, engage in what I call, what the Bible calls, whatsoever things thinking. (laughs) In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, meditate on these things. The number of folks that I have talked to, who are having suicidal, self-defeating thoughts, maybe not even suicidal, but certainly self-defeating thoughts, if I ask them, what are you watching on TV? What are you listening to? Uh, What games are you playing? What books are you reading? They're feeding their mind and their emotions with content that will drive them to a dark place. The Bible says you need to have a spiritual diet, an emotional diet that will build you up. Think on positive things. Put positive things into your life. And then finally, and this is what we tell folks who go through a Mighty Oaks uh, legacy program, observe the four B's. You need to do something. Let me give you four things to do. Be in the Word. That is spending time in the Bible every day. Be in prayer. That is talking to God every day. Be in fellowship. That's finding a church family that teaches the Bible faithfully and allows you to serve and be served. And then be in contact with those in your life who can reach out to you when you are struggling. There's a lot here. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you That when darkness becomes despair and that darkness overwhelms your soul, there is hope. You're not alone. You're not the only one who's ever felt this way. There may be some areas of shortcoming in your life, some things that you need to shore up. You need to get some counsel. You need to get some help. But understand and look to the example given to us by Jesus that in those moments of despair and difficulty and trial, there is a path forward. Let the mission carry you forward. Do what it is that God has placed you on this earth to do. And in spite of what's happening right now, you will move forward. We made our way to the objective. It was the early, early mornings of March 19, 2003. We eventually successfully accomplished our mission despite uh, incredible obstacles. <laughs> and the biggest of those obstacles perhaps being that we went at night instead of during the day. Pushed through the frustrations, pushed through the difficulty, pushed, pushed through the exhaustion. Pushed through the fact that we had never done anything like this before. And we accomplished the mission. Why? Because we didn't have a choice. Quitting was not an option that anyone offered to us. We kept moving forward. We'd already decided long before we found ourselves in that area between Kuwait and Iraq that we would fight and we would win. We made that decision in Southern California when we trained for a day that may or may not come. The decision was already made. We trusted those who had a bigger picture of the battlefield, that they knew what they were doing, that they would make decisions that were in our best interest, and we kept moving. War and life are not that different. Even Jesus illustrated this for us. You may find yourself in the dark, but you do not have to stay there. If you're listening to this and you're so overwhelmed that you you can't even process what I'm saying. Maybe what you need to do is dial 911, tell them what you're feeling, let someone come and help you. Call the National Suicide Hotline. That's available. Google it, you'll find it right away. Call it. Maybe that's the help you need right now. But if you're not there, and please understand there is hope. I would ask you take some time to not only subscribe to the podcast and this is I do my best to provide helpful content to you. Uh, so make sure you subscribe, but share this with other people. You know some people in your life that need to hear this, maybe they just need the perspective on it. Uh, it's amazing to me, I have two teenage kids, I have four kids, two of them are teenagers. It's amazing to me how many teenagers are dealing with this right now. Uh, send this out. If nothing else, it will get the conversation started. I also wrote about this on my blog, com. You can find that as well. And a lot of what I just talked about is there, and uh, we'll continue to have discussions on this. I'd uh, love to be a help to you. If I can, please let me know. Again, you can find all of my contact information on com. And then take some time, go to Life Audio. Um, Life Audio is incredible. This podcast is there, other great content is there. Other folks on different podcasts talking about very similar issues. Um, Some of these issues related even to substance abuse and relationship issues. Uh, Go and check that out. Incredible content there. Uh, You'll do yourself a favor if you stop by lifeaudio.com. Remember, as always, I say this, but it's not just a tagline or a catchphrase. Uh, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When you feel like your world is falling apart, when the bullets are coming your direction, when you can't explain how you got here, but here you are, you only have two choices. You can stay where you are and die. We've talked a lot about that. Or you can do the better thing and put one foot in front of the other and march. Choose to march because thankfully the choice is always yours. Learn more at mightyoksprograms.org. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way?